Today's program was brought to you by the Christmas Tree Farmers Association of New York, partnering with Grow NYC on a pilot project to make farm fresh trees and wreaths available at green markets. For more information, visit ChristmasTreesNY.org. Hi, this is Joe Campanelli, the host of In the Drink. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. And welcome to We Dig Plants on Heritage Radio Network, where we, the ladies of Groundworks Inc., bring the culture to horticulture. So we're in our shipping container today with artist, gardener, and longtime friend, Abby Zabar. Abby has just wrapped up a gallery exhibit of her drawings of botanicals, and she's here today to talk turkey, bad Thanksgiving pun. Post-Thanksgiving post <laughs> pun. Um, she's here to talk about her work and her life as an artist, designer, and a gardener in urban New York City. Welcome, Abby. Thank you. Uh, so a little bit of background. Um, let's note that Abby was a guest last March on our Seabert and Rice Pottery Show, and she is a pottery designer as well um, of Orchid Pots. Carmen, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit more? Sure. If you are not familiar with Abby, she is an acclaimed artist, graphic, and garden designer, and the author of five books. Her first book was titled The Potted Herb, which was published in 1988, and it's one of my favorite books. I still have it. It's fantastic. It's kind of a, a classic. It is definitely a classic. Um, and her landscape collages have been represented by Alan Stone mm-hmm. and Bloom and Hellman. And the flowers in the Great Hall of the Metropolitan Museum of Art series has been represented by Ursus Books and Prints and the Horticultural Society of New York. Her artwork has been shown at the Museum of Modern Art, the Cooper Hewitt Museum, the Parish Museum in Watermill, New York, the International Paper Corporation, the Louvre, the Institute of Contemporary Arts in London, and the Vigla Museum in Oslo, and is part of the permanent collection of the Mead Paper Corporation of America, the Brooklyn Museum, the Jewish Museum, the Hunt Institute for Botanical Documentation in Pittsburgh, PA, and the Smithsonian Museum. That's quite a broad group of institutions. You're a busy lady. (laughs) Uh, Zabar's illustrated articles have appeared in Garden Design, Horticulture, Fine Gardening, Gourmet, and the New York Times, as well as in numerous esteemed British publications. Zabar is currently the program chairperson for the Manhattan chapter of the North American Rock Garden Society and a learning leader for PS198. So Abby has had two exhibits this year, one at Wave Hill and one at a gallery, W.M. Brady Co. on East 80th Street. So here's some information from the, the Wave Hill exhibit. Abby Zabar exhibited a selection of drawings from her series Flowers in the Great Hall of the Metropolitan Museum of Art. For a decade, Zabar visited the Metropolitan Museum of Art on a weekly basis to draw the glorious arrangements on display in the Great Hall, struck each week by the inventive arrangements. Zabar's experience as a gardener and her innate knowledge of the flowers, fronds, and leaves before her allowed her to capture the arrangements with a sure and deft hand well before the museum opened its doors for the day. 
Working in situ and in pencil, the only implement allowed in the space, her drawings showcase the vibrancy, variety, and vitality of the displays as captured in one quick setting. The exercise was an important weekly practice. So, Abby, let's talk about these mint flowers because you and I go way back to this exhibit. Um, tell us what it was like to be in the Great Hall before opening, and can you define the importance of weekly exercise as an artist and flower lover? I had the um, ability to be there before they opened. I was given a pass as a vendor. And um, usually I, when I arrived, it was dark. Maybe there were one or two lights on. And when the guards saw which bouquet, there are four bouquets in four different niches. And when they saw which bouquet I was focusing on, they turned the lights, the spotlights on on that bouquet. Um, all the bouquets used the same foliage, but... It was just my choice. I mean, there was also a bouquet in the center of the museum, and that was actually my favorite to draw. It was in the in the very center, and because the light came in through the skylight on that particular arrangement, um, it was a very chiaroscuro kind of light. It came very harsh. It was very direct, and it was in very accentuated having that light come in on one side. So I try to usually draw the center bouquet. That was my favorite one to draw. Yeah. Um, can you describe, we did post some of the pictures that you sent us yes. on Facebook yeah. and Instagram. Can you um, describe your style as an artist? Well, this particular, I mean, my style depends upon what I'm drawing often. I mean, I can work right. in several mediums. And because I was limited, I could not have anything liquid, of course, in the Great Hall. And um, I was using colored pencil. And it's a very, um, what I liked about it was it had to be done very quickly. I only ha I had less than an hour before the doors opened to the public. So... Um, it's a very immediate way of drawing. There are, there are no second chances here, and it's kind of just my style. I used to work for a newspaper, uh, for a daily newspaper. I was a staff artist, and um, we had a 5 o'clock deadline every day so uh, uh, for production. And I, I liked that kind of um, experience of drawing very quickly, not being precious about what you drew, just getting it right. And um, just the next thing was to do the next drawing. Yeah. Well, that's what I think is so apparent in your drawings, is that they are so alive. And the movement and the kind of lyrical quality, when you look, it, it it's fleeting and quick, but at the same time, it forces you to pause and take a look. And that's the beauty of them for me. Yeah, I, I wanted to say, too, I wanted to add, too, Abby, that one of the things that I thought about when I saw those met drawings all those years ago was they, they felt controlled yet wild and exuberant you know like you, yeah. you were you framed them very carefully but they were so emotional still yeah. Yeah. you know and that's what made them so great and people don't realize how big those those we call them bouquets but they are massive arrangements aren't they yes. they are very big yes they're they're the height of a person and yeah. um 
I love the fact that the bouquets themselves selves are ephemeral. I mean, they're not going to be there for a, uh, a long time. Mm-hmm. And also, each day they change. And for me, I would plan to get there on the weekend and usually on a Sunday because I knew the arrangements were changed on Mondays. And I really wanted those arrangements to be full open, almost like the petals were falling already. Um, that, to me, was the most exciting time to draw the arrangement. That's very interesting. I, I, I didn't know that yeah. about about when you had selected. And there was um, the Met had the same florist for many years. Yes, yes, Chris Giftos. Yes, yes. Yeah. yes. He came to the he came to our opening. Yes. Yeah. yeah, to speak about that. He was a very gifted he was um, excellent. Giftos. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing that I love about Abby's work is that it's on uh, colored paper often. Well, it's actually on... Not colored. No, but- it was actually, to start with, it was on... Um, cardboard, like the kind of cardboard you get from the Chinese laundry. And um, I remember one of my framers telling me, um, maybe, Abby, you can do this on something more archival. (laughs) (laughs) So I then switched to museum board, which has the same gray ground. It's actually a very soft kind of board, board. And I love the way the pens, the colored pencil just goes into that um, board. It's a very um, it's a very sensual kind of experience just to put your pencil on that that background. Mm-hmm. And but also the 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 ground of the museum is like limestone, so it was very appropriate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I also really love the kind of quick edges that you gave to each piece. It made it seem like an architectural drawing in a sense. It's a little framed pencil edge. Yeah, Yeah. and because it's so amazing that you captured so much because, as we said, the the actual arrangements were so massive and your drawings are small. They're intimate. And that that to me was the challenge, Carmen. I mean, to do... um, an important bouquet, very intimately, rather than doing it grand. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, the, it, the dichotomy is very interesting. Yeah. You know, and the texture, some of the um, the feeling of it, it had this, it it, ha- it was very textural. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and even though it was, like, I guess you could describe it loose, right? You didn't see every petal. You didn't see no. every, you know, you didn't see details. This this is not a botanical. That's why it's not a botanical yeah. drawing. I mean, there's a suggestion of what those drawings of what, of what those flowers in that drawing are. I mean, that was what I was going for the feeling of forsythia, the yes. feeling of like quince buds opening. Right. And that was that's what was so interesting to me, too, is that it requires a level of observation mm-hmm. that you bring to it that mm-hmm. most artists don't because of your gardening right. experience. You're not just an artist, but you're also a gardener. So you see plants in a pretty unique way. So let's talk with, about yeah. your garden. Yeah. Because yes. <laughs> your garden really has influenced you tremendously. Mm-hmm. Can you describe, can you take us on a walk through your penthouse garden? Yes. Um, well, the first thing is you get off. It's the unusual thing is you get off the elevator and you're in my garden. That is actually the entry to my garden, which it was one of the charms of this apartment when I first saw it. And so you walk down a little way and then you go through a gate, a wrought iron gate that has my initial A 
and I gold leaf the A in it. And then you walk, oh, and on the way to that, there are these urns, these terracotta urns from Mexico. Mm -hmm. They're not frost-free, but the knockwood have survived several winters. And each one of those urns is filled with a particular little leaf boxwood and I like these small leaf boxwoods. I'm working with Kingsville and I'm actually working now with Morris Midget when I can find it. And they're like these little uh, top hats on these big urns. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel that these small leaf boxwoods, they're not succumbing so far to boxwood blight. And also they do well on terraces Mm -hmm. um, from the wind point of view. Um, so then you go, f- and I see this as my little boxwood hedge. It's these urns, these terracotta urns filled with little top knots of boxwood. And then you go through the gate and you come into this area that has um, a canopy of trees. The trees have formed the canopy because I don't want a fabric canopy. And right now I'm working with um, birch trees. And um, I actually never knew what it meant to say that something was fast growing, but I can't keep (laughs) up with these birch trees. Um, I can see um, why they are softwood, because they are so, uh, I mean, they just grow. I know. Are they they clipped? Are they they pollarded uh, um, or or espaliered or, you know, trimmed in a particular manner? I'm I'm trying to, they are... um, they are multi-trunked, okay, and they're heritage the heritage variety. Okay. So, um, I am just trying to make a vase out of them to have the canopy. They uh, that is the only styling I'm doing of them. Okay. So you're not making them touch. They are by themselves. Okay, but you're not forcing that. No, but it. I don't even have to force it. It's just it, happening. No. It's just happening. <laughs> yeah, we're asked. Yeah. We're asked to plant birches a lot on roofs, and we're just like, yes, they will someday outgrow their pots. <laughs> just giving you a you, ha- you have to want to like to prune. Yeah, you just yeah. do. I mean, it's and yeah. I do. I, I love do. to prune. Yeah, yeah, I do too. <laughs> and I mean, if someone doesn't want to prune, it's the wrong tree for them. It's not slow growing wood. No. Yeah. It's not slow growing. <laughs> no, it but you, you're growing it as much for the trunks, right? The yes, heritage, exactly. The heritage yeah. is the the river birch, right? Right? Mm-hmm. right? Which is fast growing, likes sun, and it's got that dual color and of the bark, brown and white, beautiful, yeah. yeah, beautiful. And it peels young. It starts peeling exactly at a young age. Yes. You don't have to wait like a crepe myrtle many many years to start seeing the and they're spectacular in the winter which is a very important part of new york yes exactly because we have a long ugly winter (laughs) right we do but they're multi-trunked so actually Uh looking out at my terrace at this point it almost looks like a grove of them so it's and that is the effect i really want yeah so um because that little area in the front where we've just come into that is the most uh visual part of my garden from inside and i look at it all the time Mm -hmm. so i want it to be attractive all the time, whether it's in leaf or whether it has snow. And you have a lot of other containerized plants. So then we go left and we walk down alongside the solarium to the, what I call the back 40. 
and <laughs> it is it is the parapet of the building which abuts another building and in typical New York style it's no view I mean the view there is of the brick wall of the other building and on that I have my whole rockery so it's and it's rockery are little tiny plants and um, fascinating habits of growth and fascinating blossoms. So you're actually not paying attention to the brick wall. You become very absorbed in this little minutia that's going on in front of you. And um, the it, it's thrilling. I mean, it's a very intensive kind of gardening as opposed to the hang loose of the... Um, High line and like the yeah. sweeping... Yes, yeah. yes. Yes, yeah. and they're in. Um, those are like in hypertufa containers, right? Or other in all manner of all cloth. Manner. Okay. Any anytime I see something that I think is going to be um, cool, I mean, it could be a brick, it could be a you know a, mm-hmm. a cobblestone, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, just um, anything that I think this could work. And they require maintenance. I mean, a fine kind of hand. They're not sort of low maintenance kind of gardens they're they're sort of miniature worlds right kind of they are but they're 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 hardy souls i mean they take care of themselves because you have alpines and yes so you're you're high up so you've got the i have an alpine condition yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. in new york which is what like a half a mile above sea level not even right yeah (laughs) no but once you're up in elevation and stories on a building what what floor are you on I mean, it's the penthouse. Uh, 15. It's 15. 15. Wow. So the winds do howl up there, I'm sure. Yes. And they're very, you know, you're in certain areas are wind tunnels. So you can't, you can't predict until it's, you're up there and growing something, how it's going to grow. But I guess that's true anywhere. I mean. Yeah. And what, what has surprised you, Abby, that has made it that you thought, (laughs) well, I'm just going to try this and, you know. I don't care if it works or not. I hope it does, but... Literally really, throwing caution to the yeah, wind. And, yeah, and, and said, you know, I, I want to try this. Uh. Well, there's this. there are these group of plants called saxifrage in, um, in rock gardens. And everyone told me, um, you know, they are so fussy. I mean, they really just want the Alps. They hate humidity. They can't stand the smog in the summertime. Um, it's true. It's absolutely true, and I have killed them for years. But I have a collection of them now that's pretty terrific, so I'm pretty proud of that. But no one really uh, focuses in on that. You know, it's just a quiet little thing. Is that right? going to be your next book, Abby? <laughs> no, 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 because I actually don't even know how it happened. Uh, well, it's it's a great testing ground, though, that you're giving them, and... It's fun to experiment with yeah. new things. Um, Alice and I do that in our own gardens. Before we put new cultivars or things, we do little experiments in our own container gardens and in the ground to see how it works for a year mm-hmm. in this zone. And hardy, hardy uh, gardenia does not work well in this zone. <laughs> Everybody says, by the book, it's supposed to. But I can tell you, it does not work yeah. in my front container garden. No, it doesn't make it, no. unfortunately. I, every, every year I try it. And I wrap it, and I do everything possible, but then I just buy a new one from the spring. <laughs> yes, I would like not to treat perennials as annuals. Yeah, I know. It's Sometimes you have to, though. We're also so limited with space, you know? Yeah. So they, your garden is not super floral, Abby. It's very no, green, green, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. I actually, I mean, for all of my drawing of flowers, I don't think of myself as a florific person. I like um, green. 
I think of you as very minimalist and modern. Mm-hmm. That's in, in the palette mm-hmm. um, and the kind of cleanliness in, in your spaces. Mm-hmm. And you do also grow a lot of herbs as well and topiary, right? Yes. There's, you those, still work with Those the- are all there. I mean, those are second nature and they're not a big deal. You know, right. So I don't even, uh, you know, they exist there. Um, do you have to bring them in and out? I do, I yeah. do, but I leave the rosemary out pretty, pretty late. Um, yeah, mine yeah. is out still. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. hanging in this Absolutely. year. Absolutely, it should be out it's still. I mean, it a... could go down to probably about 25 degrees without wind. Yeah. In a pot. Yeah. I have, um, I brought my papyrus into my house this year for the first time because I love it so much Yes. that I said, I'm just going to try to grow it inside and see if it can take the dryer yeah and i said you know what it's it's an aquatic i put it in a giant chinese bowl and it's just so beautiful you know the cold in a couple of weeks would have just devastated yeah. it you know i just brought my jasmine in over the weekend um and i'm gonna try and overwinter it in the house we'll you see you can you yeah will. what is it? which jasmine it's the it? confederate uh-huh um so we'll see you know it it just smells so heavenly yeah and i thought i can't i can't just if I cut it hard, it's not going to work because it's, it's in kind of a small pot in the front of my house. So I thought, let me bring it in. Let me see. You know, maybe. You had extraordinary plants in front of your uh, house this year. This was a good year. Calacasias, those ruffled, the leaves were this big. Oh I'm my sure God. you know them. Yes. And Alice, they, were, they were probably 10 feet tall. Yeah, and we donated they them were. to one of Alice's neighbors who had a sunroom because it broke our heart to have to throw them out. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it just, when sure. you grow something along... It, it was Jurassic. In yeah, my it was. Front garden it was. This year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we have to take a break. Yeah. We're talking minutia and we're talking beautiful plants with Abby Zabar. Hang on, you're listening to We Dig Plants on Heritage Radio Network. Hi, this is Harry Rosenblum, host of Feast Your Ears here on Heritage Radio Network. This is my first season as a host, but at the Brooklyn Kitchen, we've been supporting Heritage Radio for many years, and I really believe in what Heritage does. It is a fantastic network that really highlights everything that is going on in food in America, from restaurant openings to farms uh, to my show, where I feature interesting people with interesting stories related to food. But Heritage is a not-for-profit. We don't make any money. Uh, Most of the hosts do this because we love to do it, and we really do need your help as listeners. We'd love to have you listen, whether you can give any money or not. The website will still be up. You can still stream your favorite shows. But if you do like the programs here on Heritage Radio, we really would encourage you to go to the website, heritageradionetwork.org, click on the beating heart in the upper right-hand corner, and give whatever you can if... You drink coffee every afternoon while you listen to shows on Heritage, then maybe you can give us the cost of a cup of coffee once in a while. If you want to become a larger member, there's all kinds of great things you get if you become a member of the station and a larger supporter. So please join me, join the Brooklyn Kitchen, join our other great sponsors, and become a member. 
Ever wonder where your Christmas tree came from? Now you don't have to. New York State-grown Christmas trees are now available in New York City. Trees grown on farms here in New York State are harvested just a few days before arriving to the city. Trees cut close to home stay fresh longer. And trees cut close to home travel less, which reduces fuel consumption of delivery vehicles. Did you know that buying a real tree helps to sustain agriculture in New York State by supporting local farmers and keeping important open space and agriculture production? The Christmas Tree Farmers Association of New York is partnering with Grow NYC on a pilot project to make farm fresh trees and wreaths available at green markets in Brooklyn, Queens, and Manhattan. So when you shop local this holiday season, you can include the tree in that list. For more information and a full list of locations, visit christmastreesny.org. Hi, welcome back. You're listening to We Dig Plants on Heritage Radio Network. Today we're talking with Abby Zabar, a longtime friend and artist, gardener. And um, we were just talking a lot about before the break about Abby's garden and kind of the very specific particulars that she really has excelled at, I think. Refined. Um, and refined <laughs> in her urban garden. Polished. Polished, exactly. It's a polished garden. It is. But it's not. It's not It's not precious no. in that it's, uh, you can feel your hand in it. Um, yeah. It's not, it's not. And the great thing about it is that Abby actually does it herself. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of people like to curate things, but they don't actually get dirty, don't actually do things. No, when Abby takes on a project, it's it's she, all Abby's able. <laughs> <laughs> From concept to yeah. execution to yeah. finished product. But um, when I first met Abby, I was invited over to her house, and we were working on the Hort Society show. The Met. The, the Met, Met flowers, show, yeah. yeah. And I noticed that Abby had these gorgeous landscapes and they're big they're big visuals abby can you kind of describe that because that work is very different than um than the than the flower drawings those uh those were collages and they were paper collages um uh that i did i did landscapes as paper collages, because I actually saw the landscape as collage, um, whether I was in an airplane looking down, a small airplane looking down at the topography, or whether I was on the highway and I would just see the mountains and the clouds and the land. Um, to me, it just looked very collaged. Mm-hmm. And it's not collages in terms of a few cigarette wrappers and stuff like <laughs> right, that. Right. It's, it's not magazine cutout. No, 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 no. no. It's, it's working with collo- uh, paper as collage. Uh-huh. And I actually remember when I was applying to um, art school, I think it must have been Pratt, but I think I was also already doing collage in high school at Music and Art. And one of the um, things on the resume, one of the tasks, was to do a rendering in um, paint, or a render, a, a colored rendering. And I was having a problem sending this in on time, and I remember I was making my mother very, very nervous, and she was, like, threatening me, like, if you don't finish this application <laughs> this weekend, you're going to go to no college or something like that. And So parent parental. Yes, exactly. And so finally, I just, you know, figured, what the hell, I'll just do this in collage. And I remember doing the perspective 
in collage. And I remember the dean of the department wanting to meet this person. And I thought, oh, my God, here it goes. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to get in here. Yeah. And they were fascinated. by. Yeah. But it was the only medium that I could handle. I have never painted. I mean, even these um, these. Floral drawings are not paint. Right. I, they are used in a painterly way, but I just can't work with paint. Um, so these landscape collages are these swaths of color, and sometimes they're very barren. It could just be like a field on the North Fork, um, just with snow on it. And uh -huh. so it's like just, and it's these different pieces of white paper, including the white ground of the paper. And so it's like just white field of snow and then a white of the ocean and a different white layer of the clouds and all these different whites happening in a, in a winter scene. Yeah, they're the most subtle but descriptive collage, landscape collages I've oh, ever seen. Oh, I want to see them. They, I, they, I swear they haunt me. I think about them a lot. Oh, thank you. I, and I never told I you that. I do, too. You know, you never did, Alice. I mean, you never did. But I actually think of them a lot because when I moved to the apartment I'm in now, it is so tiny. It was like there was a, a heartbreak moment because I knew I could never do those collages here again. Um, so they were well, um, they're in a my, moment in time. They're in my brain forever. <laughs> Thank you. So, I mean, re seriously, like they, they have stayed with me, what, 15 years ago, I think I saw them? Yeah. So, or, more. or more. Yeah. Maybe so, if I really you know, have a studio one day, although I really like the idea of working on the corner of a table <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Just, it's, it, that's not my style to have a real studio. I think I would be very intimidated. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could go, um, here's a sort of off-the-cuff question. If you could go to any museum or place to draw, right? where would you? I, I don't, I feel, Carmen, I don't select my places. They select me. Oh, interesting. Uh, and, you know, I can be seeing something and I feel, oh, that's very intriguing. I want to draw it right now. Where's my pen? Oh, I don't have the right paper. Oh, I have the back of this envelope, though, or the menu here is fine. And um, yeah. um, I, I am intimidated by having the proper by the proper pens, the proper <laughs> yeah. paper. I feel, oh, my gosh, I have to do a really fine drawing at this point. Right. Whereas if it's more improvised, you feel free. Much more freer. comfortable, yeah. And right. then I can make excuses. <laughs> <laughs> well, those excuses got you into school, and right. they got you, like, this amazing career. And, and you, what I love is that you have blended everything that you look at and touch has the Abby Zabar stamp yeah. to it. Literally, sometimes you have actually made stamps out of terracotta when you do your terracotta work. Um, right. So another another thing that I always think about is many years ago, you did an article, um, and I don't remember which publication it was, but it was it was in kind of an overview of of a service, a blessing of the animals service. It was the Times. It was the New York Times. Right. So can you describe that because I remember the article and I, I want to I want our listeners to hear it from your words yes it was at our church on uh, I think about 64th and Park Avenue and um, they I, I 
I loved the fact that the animals were going down the aisle, that that was going to be what happened that day. And I, pre- I was prepared. I actually came that day with a pen, pen and <laughs> whatever. And I sat on the end of the aisle. And it's, it's just a heartwarming thing. And to see these animals so well behaved and, you know, it's almost like they're up for the event. <laughs> and I remember passing some fancy looking dogs on the street, like, uh-huh. with, you know, pom-poms and stuff. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'm thinking, where are they going? And they wound up at that church. They were <laughs> yeah. all decked out for it. So <laughs> They had their Sunday best on. Oh, yes. And, yeah. and I love the fact that they're all well behaved. You know, maybe there'll be a little bit of pee pee on the on in yeah. the aisle or something. But no animals are fighting each other. You know, there's no you know drama going on. No, that's interesting. We always oh. say in the dog park, it's not the animals that are ill behaved; it's the people <laughs> that are ill behaved. Right, and they the probably animals, pick up the vibration. Yeah, the animals figure it out, and they so they were in the spirit of the moment and the place. Yes, right? yes, that's interesting. Yes. And so you wrote the article as well as illustrated it. Yes, I yeah. did the illustrations very quickly there. I mean, because the, you know the animal. I was sitting um, in a pew seat, and they were all lined up here. And just uh-huh. as they passed, I would just do a quick drawing of each one. Well, that's what I loved about it, is yeah. they, there was so much impression yeah. just from your quick yeah. line. I remember the guy, the one dog with his with his paws out in the center, <laughs> and everyone had to pass him, but like he was just perfectly okay sitting there like that. <laughs> See, that's the thing about Abby, is you find the idiosyncratic, and you elevate it. And that's... Well, it's to find it, what makes that what it is. Unique, you know, yeah. when you draw a peony, what makes that peony, that fluffy, outrageous flower, as opposed to some proper little, you know, something other flower, you yeah. know. For example. And, and it's to get the essence. Yes. I mean, to me, the essence yeah. of anything in life is the most important thing. Yeah, and, and one, of the, one of the drawings from the Brady show and um, was... The red. I posted the one with the red roses, but they're actually black. I mean, they're actually. They are. (laughs) And I love the. I juxtapose the black roses in the red vase with the white in the in the picture because they represented such. You know, especially now the changing of the seasons, dark and light. You know, Abby drew these red roses black because uh-huh. they're black. Yes, uh-huh. you they, know. that is true. And actually, I was not able to get it black enough with the colored pencils, and I actually used black ink on that. I mean, oh. so, and I used it with just thumbprints of black ink because I don't know how to paint. So I just was putting my thumb there to get it even blacker. Yeah. Wow. It, it, it's amazing. Yeah. It's like, deep, it looked like so velvet when yeah, I looked at it. It was really. And, 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 but those. Roses have that velvet yeah, feel. That texture. Those petals. You yeah. Know? Yes. Yeah. And I also loved the, um, in that particular series, the hyacinth, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Because it was, you really got the essence. Now, of course, I'm a plant person, so I know what a hyacinth looks like. But even a person who doesn't know, you just got that, that, that sort of feeling of it's about to burst, you know, mm-hmm. that, uh, that that's what they feel like when you get them, you know, that they that's aren't. That's right. You know? and, and just doing them over several days, I mean, they are bursting like cra- it, it, it's You fast. have to do it very fast, you know, yeah. because I get them in the market, I bring them inside and 
instantly they're starting to open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. While, I, while I draw them. You yeah. Know? But I love that. And that's why I will always draw from life. I, I will never draw from, from photographs. photographs. I, I, when I worked at a newspaper, I often had to draw from a PR release of like a new toaster oven, you know. And the, <laughs> so, because I would was, love to see those. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fun. You would make the most, the best looking toaster <laughs> oven Thank you. imaginable. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Someone was just talking about this at a Thanksgiving party I was at the other night because he remembers. When I worked there, so it was at a Fairchild publication called Home Furnishings Daily, and that was a trade newspaper that at that time was a daily, every day for five days a week. Wow. Okay, yes. And because I was the lowest person on the, you know, um, chain there, and I was hired recently i got the things like toaster ovens to draw not the sofas from you know i don't know some fancy producer Ah, of sofas i see but i love doing those mechanical things the toaster ovens and like Uh the mix masters and stuff like that (laughs) and the um reporters would come in they'd leave you the press release with the photograph on your desk and by five you had to be finished and this friend of mine at dinner was saying this because he remembers this that the reporters would go back and they'd say you know there's a style of 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 images and press releases on abby's desk and she hasn't even started yet when is she going to get it you know Uh and they'd say don't worry she's going to have it all done by five (laughs) o'clock and i felt i had to just wait for the pressure to build up you know you handed me this too early it's before lunch yeah 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 yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. I would also imagine... I mean, and you, you wanted your mom behind your back saying, right. Abby, if you don't do this, you're never going to go anywhere. She, she, she is no longer behind my back. She is in me. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking that your style would lend itself enormously to fashion. You know, well, have you done... I was sitting around... No, I don't do fashion, but I was in a... It, at Fairchild Public, they did Women's Wear Daily. And right, so right. all of the surrounding... And this was a pool. It was it was a, a blessed time in my life. I mean, it was, it'll was it never happen again because they don't use drawings in newspapers. Right. But here were like 32, 36 artists drawing every single day. The most incredible art school I ever went to. Right. I mean, really. Yeah. Yeah, for well, a discipline. Yeah, well, because it's it's trial by fire. You just do it. You yes. sink or swim. Yes, and you just have you don't to, have time to redo and you to don't, think no, about no it. to think you know to get precious or think oh I really like that I don't think I'm handing that one in right um, right, right it just has to go it, right yeah that's that's very what a different era you I, know it was what? the best I it was how it was, old were you. Um, I was uh, let me see I was just out of I don't know it it was. I'd say I was twenty. Wow, twenty. Yeah, that's young. Yeah, I was young. Like in that pressure, you know. Well, when I found that this existed, and it's funny because I went for another interview, and I was telling this over the weekend and Thanksgiving dinner. Also, simultaneous, I was offered a job by um, Massimo Vignelli. Do you know? I mean, probably the great, one of the great designers of the twentieth century industrial. Uh graphics, Uh architecture. Okay. And he had interviewed me a while before that, and nothing happened. And then all of a sudden he called, and he was interested in my working for him as a designer. 
that was simultaneous with my going for an interview at Fairchild Publications, and both those came in at the same time, and I just had to make the decision of what I was going to do. Wow! And somehow the temptation of being able to draw every single day was just more more dramatic for me. Well, and I think of you as a, I mean, you are an artist. I think you chose the right path because I don't see you as an industrial designer. I, I think, but you, I am a graphic designer. Yeah, absolutely. And Massimo yeah. actually, what uh, he was a great graphic designer. His mm-hmm. wife Layla did the architecture and the industrial design. Okay, but their whole over, I think, was design, and mm-hmm. that's what mine was, and that's why uh-huh. I can kind of say, if I'm interested in the the idea that someone proposes, yeah, I think I could do that. You yeah. know, whether it's a, a logo, whether it's a, 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 you know, an urban terrace, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm interested, I think I could do it. Yeah. Well, you actually also have a really good feeling of architecture, and your yes. architectural drawings although quick and sketchy, if I have to describe them, are spot on um, because of the detail. So when when Massimo first um, hired me, he hired me on a freelance basis and it was uh, he had an aerial view of a city like Poughkeepsie or Yonkers that was run down. And he said, could you do this for us, a pen and ink drawing of it? And I said, yes. And he said, um, uh, so I think I did the drawing and I brought it into him. This was all a freelance. And he said, okay, this looks great. What do you charge? And I can't remember, but I told him the price. He said, this looks great. Now I'm going to tell you what you really should charge. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, New York. <laughs> <laughs> Abby, did you, did you always know you wanted to be an artist from yes. a young age? Yes. Yes. I had a feeling that was going to be the answer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Were you drawing all the time as a kid? Yes. Yeah. And my mother, who was um, an un, you know, she didn't have a husband. Her husband had died. She was very concerned what was going to happen to her daughter, the artist. Um, <laughs> so uh, she was, oh, but she was always very good about finding, like I was one of the first students who ever went to the Museum of Modern Art that no one remembers when they had an art school there. Uh-huh. And, um, wow. Yeah. And she always found these these. Opportunities. Opportunities for her daughter, yes. So she supported it. Yes. She really supported it. Yes, yes. She just didn't know how I was going to make a living at it. Right. Every mother and worries about it. And neither did I. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. every mother seems to have that same worry. I have a good friend whose daughter wants to be a costume designer. And she was in the fashion business and has such a bitter taste in her mouth about it. She wasn't in the you know design. She was more in the manufacturing end. And she's really discouraging her daughter. And I said... Her world and her vision is very different from yours, yeah. you know. So I'm sort of behind the scenes, sort of like, I'm going to take her to the Costume Institute. And, yeah. you. you know, because I feel like if you already know at that young age yeah. what you want, Abby, I think that's brilliant and needs to be supported. My mother-in-law, um, this was in the 50s, went to uh, Radcliffe. And when she was there doing the interview, this is in the 50s, um, for applied mathematics, she she knew she wanted to go for mathematics and her mom came with her to the interview because it was with a man and you can't be a young woman with a man in an interview. <laughs> so they had the interview and you know, what books have you read? Just all the questions. And this was with the president of the school. And then the mother leaned over and she said, okay, this is all fine and good, but how are you going to teach my daughter about home economics? And the man said, Ma'am, 
your daughter is talking about applied mathematics <laughs> and robotics. I don't think reading a cookbook is going to be a problem for her. <laughs> Mixing up a cake is going to be like, she'll be fine. <laughs> you know? And she went on and she was the first woman hired at IBM wow. in the executive you know, yeah. position. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that moms have to just trust with their kids i think so let's go back to the idea of the student yes right and kids and kids because now you are giving it back well i'm a learning leader at a school on the upper east side a public school ps 198 and it's it's I mean, at times I think I learn more from them than they learn from me. I have worked with the science uh, teacher there, and um, a lot of these kids are tough kids. And to see them all of a sudden want to know what I'm doing with my plants there on the windowsill, it has become kind of like, oh, Miss Abby, can I work with you today? And because it's fun, it is not. It doesn't seem like um, what school is supposed to be about. And it's not the core uh, curriculum. Ex- exactly. <laughs> and we're yeah. dealing with core all the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's the core on steroids, actually, because it's at applied. You know, yeah. and that's what's it's been, beyond the core. That's what's yeah. been taken away from school. I think is application and yeah it's a it's a wonderful thing to do so you're 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 uh, sort of working with them with plants and horticulture and give us an example of I some was of supposed the- to be there just to help the uh, teachers because and to me really I look at it that way because these teachers need all the help uh, hands you sure, know yeah. that they yeah. can have yeah. and so initially I was just very quiet and very laid back because right. but because the room was sunny I started bringing in the plants and stuff and then I come in and I start cleaning up the plants you know but it's kind <laughs> of great. fascinating because each of these kids the, the, the diversity of them is so phenomenal um, and has their own little specialty. And like, let's say I see a kid who really likes cleaning the sink in the end because we've jammed up the sink because all the leaves are going right. down uh-huh. it. But this one kid, he's very good with the sponge. He just loves it. <laughs> you know, I don't know if he's going to be like, you know, the chief janitor in the world, you know. Right. But this is what he real and he was really out of control until he found himself at the sink, you know. Yeah. And I think... You know, bless him. I mean, this is something he's really enjoying. Right. Um, right. So it's and finding he feels useful. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He exactly. Finds himself useful because maybe he's not comfortable necessarily in, in in the academic environment. He needs he needs a little diversity in his experience in the classroom. Right. Which is what you're bringing. Well, that's what Abby brings to all of her work. Actually, is she finds the thing, the essence of the thing. And articulates it. And that's really, I think, the essence of Abby, is you find these these little gems that are often overlooked in the heyday and the rush, and you draw the animal with his crossed legs, and you draw the flower that's just bursting to be open and identified and looked at. And I just think of you walking through the city and observing. And yeah. I feel in a way like when I'm drawing something on a sidewalk, I usually find a place that I'm sort of a little comfortable or a wall that I'm leaning mm-hmm. against. And I have a hood on my and I kind of put the hood over me. And then I feel like I'm in my own world. I mean, I am drawing with this hood over me. People could be passing 
you know, they could be like in a big argument. They could be hitting on me. It's like, you know, it's like I don't even hear you. I am just focused, and I love that. That's a perfect perfect <laughs> way to end yes. the show. Abby, thank you for being with thank us. You. And tell our listeners where uh, they can see and purchase because some the of the drawings are still available. Yes, and I'll post more uh, throughout the week. Um, yeah, because the gallery sent us a lot of great okay. photos. Um, the gallery is called W M Brady. It's on the Upper East Side in Manhattan, and the address is twenty two East Eightieth Street. And their phone number is two one two two four nine seven two one two. So Abby, thank you for all you do to promote gardening and for looking at the world with quiet, observant eyes and for teaching others to look and to do the same. You've created a wonderful, precious life that you articulate daily, which is inspiring. Thank you. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, dear friends. And and you've been listening to We Dig Plants. Um, You can find us on Facebook. Um, It's Groundworks Inc. We Dig Plants. Or on Twitter at at Pound We Dig Plants. On Instagram, Groundworks Gardens New York City. Um, Timber Press is going to be doing a weekly giveaway in December of books with us. Mm -hmm. So you have to become a member. You have to be our friend. You have to be our friend, our virtual (laughs) friend, in order to be entered into the drawing. So please do. And also, if you like this radio station, please become a member. It does the soul good, and it keeps the content coming. You just have to press the pulsing heart at the top of the web cha- webpage and share the love. So consider a membership for a friend. It makes a great holiday present. Thanks for listening. Happy gardening. listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.